morning, uh, uh, Life Church family. How you doing this morning? Well, this morning I just want to tell you I know that it's a bit different um, watching the worship team from home in your living room, but I just want to encourage you. If you're already sitting down in your pajamas, don't go get dressed. You're fine. You can be comfortable. I hope you have some hot coffee and you're surrounded with the family in the living room. But this is something that's been on my heart as we begin to. Uh, start this service this morning I want to encourage you in this that there's no distance in the spirit that although you're in your living room and the worship team is here in the church and pastor will be preaching in the church you know directly into your living room you have to understand this one thing that there's no distance in the spirit that the same Holy Spirit that is in you is in us that he is here in this church he is in your living room i mean he's all over the place at the same time and we understand this jesus said when he was ascending to the father he said don't worry it is to your benefit that i go i will not leave you as orphans but i will send to you an advocate meaning another one just like me he said you know him he is with you and he will be in you he was speaking of the Holy Spirit and now more than ever I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is going to understand the importance of the Spirit of God I want you to know something I want to encourage you husbands fathers uh, wives mothers I want you to get your children and surround them around your television your computer however you're watching the service and I want you to understand this one thing that Jesus is with you right now in your living room he says in his word that where two or three are gathered in my name I am there in the midst of them and so even as you're there in your living room beginning to worship with us here in the church beginning to listen to the Word of God I just declare that the presence of God is filling your living room right now I want you just to lift up your hands come on lift up your hands lift up your hands get your children to lift up their hands and I want you to begin to welcome the Holy Spirit into your living room into your bedroom wherever you're watching I want you to begin to welcome him Lord we thank you that today is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it Lord we thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit that he would be in us and that he would be with us father we declare today that as we lift up your name as we lift up your name in praises that you will abide in the praises of your people Lord I declare that you're filling living rooms this morning I declare that you're filling houses this morning I declare Lord that the church is not a building but the church is your people father and I declare that as your people gather wherever they gather that you are with them Lord that you are with them and so Jesus we pray that you will be exalted in this place and when I say that from here you say that from where you are Lord be exalted in this place put your hand on your heart Lord be exalted in my heart this morning now father we thank you that when we worship you that you come so Holy Spirit I declare that your presence fill these houses that your presence fill the hearts of your people and that you have your way in our lives this morning we love you with all of our hearts Lord now we pray as we begin to worship you that you would fill this place with your glory and have your way in Jesus name amen now why don't you prepare your hearts to begin to worship with us i 
set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. presence of God has filled this place and I'm going to tell you why when you begin to lift up the name of Jesus he will come and he will be magnified in the presence of his people as we worship him I declare that Jesus he has the name that is above every name can you say amen, amen. Jesus you have the name above every name and to you you deserve all the worship you know as we were singing this song this greeting from the epistle of 1 Peter came to my heart, and I, I just I sense in my heart that it's so fitting, and I want to read it to you right now, beginning in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You see, he's speaking to the church that has been dispersed in his time. And you know, even today, as many congregations all across this nation and even the world aren't able to gather together in the same building, it seems as though we've been dispersed. And so I hear the Lord saying, to the pilgrims that have been dispersed, to the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Now listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you for those who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time you see we have a living hope say living hope through Jesus Christ we have a living hope because Jesus is alive, he's not dead, and those things that we're singing about this morning, they are real and they are tangible. And I want to encourage you in the place that you are right now, I want you to begin to thank God for a living hope. Lord, we thank you as your church that we are separated, that although we live in this world, Father, the things that happen in this world, God, we have been set apart and that we will have provision 
We will have protection. We will know your presence even in our current situation, but we will know it more. And so, Father, we thank you for the living hope of Jesus Christ, that we've been given an inheritance that is incorruptible, that is undefiled. It is not of this world. Therefore, the world can't give it and the world can't take it away. And so we thank you, Jesus, that in the midst of this trying time in the world, that we have victory through Jesus Christ because he is our living hope because of the resurrection of the dead. Amen. Amen. We, we want to welcome you this morning uh, to Life Church for worshiping with us. Whether you're in your living room, in your car, I don't care where you're tuning in, God is with you where you are. Well, we, I just this was on my heart to announce that if you need anything, if you need prayer, if you need encouragement, I want you to go to our Facebook page, Life Church of Lafayette. You can find it on Facebook. If you just need encouragement, if you have a prayer request, if you have a, a really strong need, I, we don't want you to feel like you're alone. You can send a message to the church on Facebook. Of course, many of you have our pastor's number. You have my number. You have members of the staff and leadership. You have their phone numbers. Do not feel like you're alone in this time. If you need anything, if you're struggling, uh, if you need prayer at all, just contact somebody. Amen. But I also wanted to encourage the church. This is something that has been in my heart ever since this coronavirus outbreak began, this epidemic as we're calling it. God told me that this will be the season of the greatest faith of his people, that those who trust in Jesus, we will see the greatest faith being uh, raised up amongst God's people. And he put it on my heart. He said, son, do not give in to the temptation of stopping giving. Don't withhold from me in this season. That's what the Lord said to me. So we want you to know at Life Church that although you can't come in person and, and give to the Lord your tithes and your offerings, that we've made diff many different platforms. We have text to give. We have a website that you can give on. We even have an app that you can give on. Or you can just look up our uh, mailing address on the Internet and you can mail in a check. But this is what I want to encourage you. Do not give in to the temptation when the world is running in fear to withhold from God. This is not God's doing uh, for us to walk in fear. God is calling his people to walk in faith. Amen. And so my family, my household, we are not only going to give to the Lord in this season, but we're going to give more than ever before. It says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, and then your barns will be filled with plenty. Come on. I know there's a lot of people going and buying out Costco and Walmart and stocking their freezers. But the Bible says if we would honor God with the first fruits of all of our increase and even with our possessions, then our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats will overflow with new wine. So I declare to you in this time that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He will take care of you. He will take care of your family. Be on the lookout for needs. If you see someone in need, don't be afraid to step out and to be the church. Now, I want to pray for you as we, we're getting ready to receive the word of God from our pastor. Lord, we thank you for this day. For your word says that today is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And we are truly glad. Our hearts are full of rejoicing because, Jesus, you are our king. And because of your resurrection from the dead, your victory over death, we have a living hope, and we cling to you today now more than ever before. Lord, we thank you that your word is bread, 
that this morning we're preparing our hearts to receive the bread of life. This morning we're preparing our hearts to receive living water. Lord, we need you. You are our sustenance. You are everything that we have, everything that we need. And today we come to you by faith. We come to you knowing, Lord, that you have a word for us in due season. And we're going to take a hold of your word. We're going to hide it in our heart. And we will be encouraged. We will be challenged. And we will know what to do next. So, Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us guidance and leadership. You lead us into all truth. We are not lost. We're not lost. We're not wandering around aimlessly. For you know our names. You know the very number of hairs on our head. You know where we are. And we thank you today for confidence, for faith, for encouragement, for sustenance through your word. Lord, we honor you this day, and we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you have all things under your control. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as pastor's coming up, I want to just encourage you to get your Bibles, open them up, follow along, take notes, because God has a word for us today. Amen? Amen. Appreciate the worship team this morning leading us in worship. Nothing like coming into the presence of God in worship. Amen? Wow. Well, I have to tell you, this has been a wild week, and I know that you already know that. And I wanted to have a word from the Lord for today. I wanted us to have a word that was from the throne of God. And... I believe that he's given me a message simply of how to find rest in hard or difficult times. I, I, you know, everybody this week sent out emails to pastors and stuff saying, have lighthearted messages and uplifting things and, and, and have a little fireside chat or devotion. But if you know me, I'm not a fireside chat kind of guy. And I said, but Lord, I do want a word of encouragement to our people. But what is it that you're saying? Because I believe that God has a voice to his church today. And so I want to speak to you what the Holy Spirit impressed upon me. And it is a word of encouragement. I will never forget when Saturday, March 7, 2009 rolled around and in my email came a message from the late pastor David Wilkerson. At that time, he sent out this email. It was at a critical point in our nation. And it said, urgent message in the heading. And I, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but one little paragraph I'll put up on the screen. And here's what he said. He said, an earth-shattering calamity is about to happen. It is going to be so frightening we are all going to tremble, even the godliest among us. Well, I spent the last several days and many hours scrolling back through different things that the Holy Spirit has spoken to us at Life Church during this time, before this time even came. And there are numerous prophetic words and dreams and visions that God gave us in advance of this. But I want to put, point out one in particular because I think it is so apropos to the time that we're in. And I'm going to put it on the screen so that you can follow it along. 
But here's what the prophetic word said. It says, for the Lord would say that there is a shaking that is coming. Yes, you have heard it before, and many have lost sight of that, but I am telling you that there is a shaking that is coming upon the land and across the earth, and it is a working of my spirit. For in the day that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said he saw the Lord, and in that seeing he saw the shaking of the temple for the glory of God moved mightily upon the earth, and the Lord moved mightily upon the prophet's life, and he moved mightily upon the people to whom he went to. And I am saying that there is a shaking coming. Even as King Uzziah died, and Isaiah was sorrowful at that thing, there are tragedies that will be seen. There are things that will happen that will cause men's hearts to fear what is coming upon the earth. But my children do not walk in darkness. Hallelujah. He says they do not work. It says they they do not work on non-understanding, for as they fall from the left and fall from the right, your eyes shall be fixed upon me. And as you look unto me, the author and the savior and the finisher of your faith. Let me tell you that there is a time coming when the word of God will go forth with power once again. It is not in itself without power, but only now those that are hearing it are now being endued with an anointing that when they open their mouths, it shall come forth as a thundering word, a powerful word, a word that will break the hardened hearts of men, the word that will break the bondages upon individuals' lives. So do not let your hearts fail, but look to me, look to me, look to me, for I will come and deliver you. But until that time, take the land, be empowered by my spirit, walk in the promises, and you will see the hand of God all around you. Now, what do you do with words like that? Do we listen to them? Do we ignore them? Do we go, oh, that was interesting, and just kind of throw it to the side? Amos chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. I'm not saying I am a prophet for giving that word. I am not saying that at all. I'm simply saying that the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing things to those in his, his body who have a heart and an ear for hearing what he is saying because it is the nature of God to warn his people of what he is about to do. Many times we hear words like this and we think it's an immediate thing. It's going to happen like the next day or the next week or within a few weeks. But in God's time, he knows it takes a while to get us ready. So he warns us time again and time again and time again. And I have compiled a list of prophetic words that God has given us over a number of years. Almost every one of them in line with what I just read you. I mean, when you stop and think about it in the scripture, the Lord spoke many years before the Assyrian and Babylon exiles warning Israel of what was coming. He spoke a generation before the desecration of the temple uh, of, of, uh, of to Israel by Rome. 
The nature of God is always to warn his people about something before it actually happens. That's consistent with what the Holy Spirit here is for. Because Jesus said, when the Comforter comes, he will show you things to come. And so it, it, this doesn't catch God by surprise. It may catch us by surprise only because we have failed to remember the things that God has pre-warned us. In fact, Jesus, speaking about the last days in Matthew 24, 25, he said this. He said, he said, he said, it is, he said, I have told you these things beforehand because he wanted us to know. I want you to know there's a difference between judgment and wrath. Judgment is for correction. Wrath is for destruction. And, and God wants to correct. And he, that, I believe that is what we're seeing a portion of. I, I'll be honest, speaking from my heart, last Sunday, this, this room in here was almost completely filled. And I spoke with pastors across the, uh, the city and around the area in different states, and their churches were almost filled. And I said, it reminds me of the time, uh, the Sunday following 9-11. All of a sudden, the churches were filled, and they were wanting a word that would give them confidence or assurance that God was up to something. But in so many churches, they didn't receive that at all. They received a, calm, a natural response to what was happening. But you and I have the Holy Spirit, and he speaks to us, and we see things through the realm of the Spirit. And I believe that what God is doing right now in that word, he said that what was happening, the things that would happen, he said there'll be, there'll be tragedies, there will be things that will be coming that will cause fear and men's hearts to fail. But he said it is a working of my spirit because God many times knows how hard the hearts of men are. And so he realizes what it takes to wake us up and give us a shaking. It is, it's like waking a child up. You go in quietly and you tap them and say, honey, it's time to get up. And then they just sit there or lay there and roll over and you say, come on, it's time to get up. And about the fourth or fifth time, you're not just saying, honey, get up. You're saying, get out of that bed. <laughs> and that's what God is doing. God is trying to wake up a nation to bring about correction. And the church is where he starts. In the book of Leviticus, Moses describes the fearful condition that Israel would fall into when God's judgment began to fall upon them. In Leviticus 26, verse 36 and 37, it says this, I will make their hearts so fearful in the lands of their enemies that the sound of a wind-blown leaf will put them to flight. They will run as though fleeing from the sword, and they will fall even though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble over one another as though fleeing from the sword, and even though no one is pursuing them. So you will not be able to stand before your enemies. And, and Moses points out three things here. He says, first of all, he says, God's going to cause people's hearts to be nervous. And that the people would become so panicked that they would run at the sound of a shaking leaf. I don't know if you know what that sounds like. But I remember one time as a youth pastor in Tennessee, I'd taken my youth group on a horseback riding trip. And most of those kids had never been on horses, so this was a unique uh, moment for them. 
And so we were taking a very casual trail through the sides of the hills of the mountains of Tennessee. And there came a tree that had a low-hanging branch. It was late in the fall, and the leaves that were hanging in the tree were all brown and dried up. And so I remember I was the last one coming along. And so I thought I would play a joke on the, on the kids. And so I ducked under that branch, but I took it and shook it so that the leaves would make that little rattling sound. And, and I yelled, snake! And I didn't think, not only did the kids, would they panic, the horses panicked. And they took off, and kids were hanging on for their dear life, and some kids were hanging on the sides and running, you know. I mean, they were frightened at the sound of a wind-blown leaf. That's exactly what Moses said was going to happen. And it says, and they would not have the ability to stand before their enemies. I don't know if about you, but I think this actually describes this moment in 2020 that we're talking about. These are the very things that are happening in our nation, in America today. And all, all the terrible things that are taking place in the world right now were summed up with the words of Jesus in Luke 21, 25 and 26. He said, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars on earth, on nations perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming upon the world. So we see what's happening all around us. But my question is, what does God's word say about the righteous in hard times? What does God's word say to us as believers in difficult times? The psalmist declared in Psalms 1 and 112 verse 1 and then 4 through 8 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight even in his command. And then in verse 4 through 8 it says, Even in the darkness light dawns for the upright, for the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. God will come to him who is generous and who is lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. He will never be shaken. And then it goes on and says, a righteous man will be remembered forever, for he will have no fear of bad news. And then it goes on and says, his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. And in the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. That's God's desire for every Christian, every believer, every day of the week, not just in difficult times, because there are difficult times during normal times, and these are anything but normal times. In 1 Corinthians 16 and 13, it says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God wants his people to face every day with a spiritual strength that will withstand every evil report. And while most Americans are panicking at the hand of God shaking, can I repeat that part? This is the hand of God shaking. I have confidence in the fact that God knows what he's doing. 
It is God shaking. God's faithful will stand out as a beacon of peace and assurance. And their peace should be a testimony to everyone that's around them. Their expression every day should be so full of God's supernatural peace that everyone around them will know that they possess something that's different. People will ask them, how can you smile in such a time as this? How can you have joy in such a time as this? And God's people who know the secret, God's people who understand who God is, they will have an answer and says, that's because I have a resource that you know nothing about. And when people say, what is that resource? They'll be able to say, it is the bank of God's faithful promises to those who are his. In Isaiah 43, beginning with verse 1, it says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you, summoned you by my name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He doesn't say that there won't be difficult times. It won't say that there won't be times of trials but he says they will not harm you because I will be with you unfortunately many lukewarm Christians are going to faint and they're going to fret and they're going to despair when they hear the bad news that keeps mounting and mounting and mounting and the reports will be so ominous and so frightful that these believers will react in the same way as the ungodly They'll tremble, quaking at the shaking, sound of a shaking leaf, and their faith will waver, and they'll be carried away by the spirit of fear that grips the world. I believe that pastors who have compromised in their daily walk with Christ are going to find themselves spiritually bankrupt during this time, and they won't be prepared to deliver a sure word to the sheep who are needing it so, most, so mostly at this time. In fact, their congregations will sit there in stunned silence as they watch their shaken pastors stand in pulpits groping for the words to say. People in churches will look at each other with eyes of fear, hoping that it's all a dream. But God has a resource for us, and it is the bank of his promises. So how do we find rest in hard times? How do we find rest in difficult times? And the first thing is we must learn about the secret place. In fact, the word was, come unto me, come unto me, come unto me. He's been telling us for the last couple of years, come into that place, find it now, because the time to prepare for the storm is not in the middle of the storm. But there is still a time, there's still time to learn about the secret place. David introduces us to the shelter of his presence in Psalms 31 and verse 19 through 20. Look what it says. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men, and in your dwelling, you keep them safe. 
That word shelter, it means cover, hiding, a hiding place, a shelter, a protection, a secret place. David the psalmist was saying something profound here. He's saying our strength comes from drawing near to God. And I want to tell you that the measure of your strength, the measure of my strength, the measure of any believer's strength is in proportionate to our nearness to him. Simply put, the closer you are to Jesus, the stronger you're going to be. And all the strength we're ever going to need is going to come by coming into that secret place in the place of prayer. We just have to draw close to him. We draw near to him, and there's a fresh supply of strength daily. You know, so many people, Pastor Elliot talked about people just hoarding stuff, packing stuff up. And I think there's a lot of Christians like that. They've hoarded up past experiences thinking that's going to get them through. But can I tell you, it takes fresh bread. It takes fresh anointing, fresh manna, fresh wisdom, fresh touch from God each and every day in our lives. So how do we find rest in difficult times? First, we got to learn about the secret place. The second thing is we need to learn how the enemy's strategy is at work in this hour. Listen, God is shaking, and the enemy sees an opportunity to come in and pervert it. Anything that God does, the enemy wants to pervert. He wants to twist it, and he wants to use this time to bring fear upon people's lives. The devil greatly fears the Lord's presence in our lives. He, he fears what we know, that as we come into his presence, we're drawing strength. And when we're drawing strength from God, then fear has no power over us. He trembles at the very thought of believers drawing near to Christ. So when the demons of hell see you praying each day and spending time in the word of God, all of hell cries out, woe is us for God is with them. This is why Satan will do everything in his power to rob you and me of his presence in our lives. And I'll give you three quick things that he does. One of them is simply this, is that he hides the key. He hides the key. What do I mean by from that? He, he tries to hide the key from, keep, from us understanding the power that we gain in prayer and in quiet time with him. And so he'll try and hide that from us because he doesn't want us to have the power and the presence of God. If that doesn't work, then he's going to try and block the entrance. What do I mean by that? He'll try and bog you down in rebellion and sin. He'll, sin will keep you from entering in to the presence of God. He wants to drain you of the strength that comes from God's presence in your life. He wants to put you in the lap of Delilah, so to speak, to cut off the source of power in your life. And if he can't hide the key and he can't block the entrance, then he'll distract you with other necessities. Notice I said necessities. Because he'll tempt you to, with something else to get you busy that's good. It's sometimes it's the good things that become the enemy of God's things. Because 
He'll, he'll get us even consumed in ministry and consuming time of ministry. We're doing good. We're helping people. We're reaching out. We're doing the work of God. But nothing comes before our time with him. Nothing whatsoever. And he knows your time with Christ makes you invincible to fears and the anxieties of this age. And if he can do it, then the end result is that you have a deluded faith. I've spoken with people this week who are just saying, I just don't understand. I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And that's because they've not had their faith grounded in the word. The lightest thing comes along and all of a sudden they're fearful and, and, and they're listening to the media and they're listening to their friends and they're listening to the rumor mill and the gossips and everything else. And what they're not listening to is Jesus and the Holy Spirit in that secret place. The Israelites at one time were battling the Philistines and they were losing and they thought, we need the ark of God's presence. We need the ark of the covenant here because the ark represented the very presence of God. And if we'll go get the ark, it will defeat our enemies. And so the ark was carried into the camp of Israel and the soldiers began to cry and they began to dance and they began to shout, the Lord is with us, the Lord is with us, victory is ours now, the enemy is defeated. But guess what? It didn't turn out that way at all. Israel was routed by the Philistines in an awful slaughter. And not only that, they ended up fleeing for their lives and they lost the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God. You say, well, how could that happen? Why would God allow that to happen? Why would, why would the Ark, which represented God's presence, be brought into the middle of God's people and they still suffer a terrible defeat? I'll tell you. I believe it's because the doctrine of God's people, among God's people, his presence among God's people was no longer a living reality in the lives of Israel. He had become a story tale. He had become something that they had heard of years ago, but they had no personal experience. It had become a dry, dead theology, and their hearts had drifted far from him. Think about it. Eli, the high priest at the time, was compromised and backslidden. His sons conducted an, an adulterous, pleasure-mad ministry under his overwatch. And the people said nothing. They did nothing. And the effect was devastating upon God's people, that nation. No one cared about having the Lord's presence anymore. They only wanted his power. They weren't interested in his presence. They're interested in his power, interested in his blessings, but they weren't interested in his presence. And that brought a delusion that they were still God's people and that the enemy was going to run at the sight of the Ark of the Covenant. I believe that Christians today wear three different kinds of glasses, one of three different kinds of glasses. And it represents the attitudes of those who go to our churches day in and day out every week. The first set is our rose-colored glasses. 
That's the one that says God is God of love. He loves everybody. He'll never, you know, no problems, no issues. He just wants to bless and all of those things. Then you got those who wear dark colored glasses. They're blind to everything and they pretend not to see anything at all. They're ignorant concerning the things that are going around. They just say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't see that, I don't understand it, I don't worry about that, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. But then you have those who wear clear colored glasses. Let me go back to that. They go back to clear, clear colored glasses. Oh, we're going past it again. Point is simply this, there's nothing hidden from them. Nothing hidden. They have clear understanding. They are focused on the hour in which they are living. I would think that anyone today would honestly want to look at God's word and the events that are happening in the world that we are facing with clear understanding and clear vision. You'd have to be totally blind to not understand that what's taking place in the world today is God disciplining our nation and the world. He is shaking the world, but in it he is shaking his church because it is his church that he has chosen to work through. It is his church that is to bring revival to the world. We're hearing phrases like global depression, wealth destruction, economic holocaust, civil war, and fear is gripping the hearts and men of women. But my God, who has a bank of promises, and the child of God, who has a relationship with God, they're not listening to those things out there. What they're hearing is that the child of God knows that God is his provider. They know that he is their protector. He is their healer. He is the one who has the wisdom of the ages. He is the shepherd of their souls. He is the horn of their salvation. He is the key to their knowledge and understanding. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. The child of God knows he's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the one who's overcome everything already because there's nothing else for him to overcome. And we are overcomers in his name by his presence and the relationship that we have with him. The child of God knows that his promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. The child of God knows the one that is already mapped out tomorrow. You and I don't even know how today will end. But he already knows what tomorrow is going to bring. We can trust him because his word is sure and his spirit dwells within us and bears witness to that truth. As a believer, you and I are faced with one question in difficult times like this, and that is how close are we to Jesus? How close are we to him? How near are we to him at this time? You may think, you may say, well, I, I think I'm pretty close. I'm a faithful witness for the Lord. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I live a decent life. I tithe and 
read my, my Bible occasionally, I attend church. Well, guess what? <laughs> you can do all those things and your heart be distant from God. If you don't spend time alone with him, your words will have no power, no results. And that prophetic word God gave almost two years ago, he said, he said there is an anointing that their words will go forth with a roar, with power, with a, with a thundering word, a sure word. And if there's anything that people need today, it's a sure word from God. If you don't spend time with him, there'll be no power in your words. Your testimony will be dead because you've drifted away from him. Here's, here's a key, and I'm closing. Don't make the mistake of measuring your walk with Jesus by your good works rather than by his presence in your life. Don't make that mistake. Psalms 139, the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This time, we've been told so many ways of what to do during this time of isolation, social distancing, well, my friends, this is not the time to be isolated from him. And this is not the time to keep distance from him. If anything, it's a time for drawing close or drawing closer. I say by the Holy Spirit, we have yet to see many things that are on the horizon that are coming. God in his shaking is sifting. And what will be left will be those who know their God. For Daniel tells us that there will be a people who know their God and do great exploits for him. I pray that that's what you desire to do great exploits for Jesus. If you are away from God right now, you, your walk is not where it should be, repent. Repent to God right now. and Tell him that you've failed, that you've sinned, and ask him to forgive you of your unfaithfulness. Because I could tell you this, you may have pulled away from him, but he's never moved away from you. And when you repent, you draw nigh to him. You come near to him. And you will find a peace that passes all understanding. I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, these are times of turbulence and upheaval. 
There is a shaking that is going on, but it is the work of your Holy Spirit. Most people are looking at the glass one way and saying, it's almost empty. Horrible things are taking place, but God, I'm looking at it from this side and I see that you're filling it up with those who are drawing near to you. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for the peace that passes understanding to fill the hearts of every single person who hears this message, that they would not be fearful, that they would understand with clear glasses and see with understanding and revelation. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. I pray that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, I pray that same prayer for your church body today. We cannot take comfort in the comfort of man, but we can take comfort in your presence. And when we come out from your presence, have us to realize that we are our carrier of your presence. That every person that we see, every person that we talk to, our words, once we've spent time with you, have power. You spoke to the roaring waves and sea, and they instantly ceased. God, when we spend time with you and we come out from that secret place, God, when we speak to the waves and the wind and the lives of others, it can cease immediately and we can introduce them to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, give us understanding of how to have opportunity to minister to others in this time. I pray for miracles to take place. Miracles of provision. In the name of Jesus, now go in peace. Amen and amen.